You wake up at night, you think about this. You wake up in the morning, you think about this. You go to conversations that you had and you revisit every conversation you ever had with your mother. That's what I did. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs could share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 45, and today I am speaking with Marion. Hi, Marion. Hi, Lily. Thank you so much for working through the kinks with me. We're, we're finally talking. We are. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And in the manner of time today, let's go ahead and get you started. You're going to share your story today. So why don't you um, give us a background and let us know what your original family was like? Okay. Um, Well, my original family, my parents were married very young at 17 and 18 years old. Um, My mother was from Texas. My dad was from Oklahoma. And they met out in California as teenagers. Um, They were married 57 years to each other. And um, my mother was, well, they were polar opposites uh, in every way. My mother was reserved. And my dad was very outgoing. um, Kind of a, a little bit of a bad boy. She was conservative. Um, quiet, very, very, she was sweet and she was kind, but she was very reserved, not flirtatious, did not dress provocatively. um, And she really liked calm. She didn't like any kind of um, arguing or confrontation. That just wasn't her. Um, He was opposite in every way. He had a trigger temper. Um, he became an alcoholic. He was abusive. Um, he could be. He could be very charming, though. He could be your best friend, or he could be your your worst nightmare. You just didn't know. Um, he was a violent alcoholic, and um, the marriage kind of started off. I mean, I don't think she ever really loved him. He did love her. He was very possessive of her very controlling of her and um, she they had separated a couple of times um, a few times she tried leaving him through those 57 years and he would just always beg her to come back and she would go back I think he just wore her down she didn't like any kind of fighting um, she was also very stoic though um, she just had a way about her that that southern thing sometimes you hear about. And so she was just very strong that way. Um, she could tolerate a lot. So the marriage went on like that. Um, and they had been married six years and my brother was born. And, um, after he was born, the doctor told my mother she couldn't have any more children. 
um, he told her she was really lucky to have my brother, that she would never have any more children from, um, due to female issues. So the marriage went on, and it, and it was not a happy marriage. She, she was miserable, really, and um, he was a high-functioning alcoholic, so he always got, got up in the morning and went to work, but by you know three or four in the afternoon, he had started drinking, and he would be blacked out by nine or ten. Um, and what would come home and there would always be yelling and fighting. And so I think the marriage just went on in that way for quite a while. My mother always worked and she really loved her work. That was kind of her first love was her work. Um, where whatever job she had, usually it was clerical or bookkeeping or secretarial. Um, but she was always really good at what, at her job. And, you know, had she been born in a different time, there's no doubt she would have gone to college and got a degree. She loved working. And, um, so when she was, um, 36 years old, my brother was 11. Um, she thought she had the flu and she went to the doctor and she was pregnant. She was shocked. Um, my dad was ecstatic. He, he was excited. You know, I, I think he thought, well, now she'll never leave. You know, she's going to have this baby and now she'll never leave. He thought she would have a girl. So it was when Priscilla gets here, Priscilla, this Priscilla, that, and, um, and he was really happy. Um, so when I was born though, she, she wrote Marion on the birth certificate and he said, well, it doesn't matter whatever you put on there, but we're going to call her Priscilla. So Marion was a family name. It was her middle name, but I was Priscilla until I was five years old and I went to school and my mother told my teacher, her real name is Marion. She is to be, to be called Marion. I knew I had a nick, you know, I knew Pris she would tell me Priscilla was a nickname, but she never called me Marion either. No one in my whole family, half of my family didn't even know my birth certificate name was Marion. So, um, she was working at the Teamsters when I was born at that time. She was the secretary to the president, and it was a very good job, um, a well-paying job. Um, after I was born, um, I uh, went to a babysitter um, pretty early on. I thought it was maybe a month or two, but I later on found out that I was only like a week old. And my mother had Mrs. Franklin come in, an older lady that would babysit children. She didn't have any more, she didn't have any other children babies. She was babysitting at that time. So it was just me. I stayed with her all week long, or she, or she would come to our home in the beginning when I was a newborn. And then eventually I would go to her house. And on the weekends, I would stay with her also um, if my parents wanted to go out, my dad wanted to go, you know, to any kind of socializing, I would stay with Mrs. Franklin. Um, and I bonded with her. I, I knew from pretty early on that uh, she was my everything. And I, I just, we were so close. She had a grown daughter with kids that were a little bit older than myself. And I was with them all the time. It was very fun. They were very sweet. They were very loving. And um, when I was one, my mother had um, a spinal injury, a back injury, and had to have some surgeries. And from that time on, she could not ever lift me or really carry me. Um, 
she was in the hospital a lot during these surgeries. So I lived with Mrs. Franklin. Um, and when I was four, uh, Mrs. Franklin died from a massive heart attack suddenly. And it was devastating. Um, I was with her more than I was with my own mother. I look back on it now and I realize how my mother, I always wondered, how could she, how could you leave your baby with another person, another woman to kind of raise? But of course, now it makes sense to me. Um, but Mrs. Franklin passed away. Um, and then shortly after that, we moved down south. Um, I'm from Central California. We moved down to Southern California. And while we were there, um, my mother had developed an addiction to painkillers. Um, so she was in bed a lot uh, during this time. So in the morning when I went to school, she I went on the bus. Well, she was uh, in bed. I came home from school. She was in bed. And um, she was pretty out of it. Um, there was another lady that would come in sometimes in, in the afternoons and kind of maybe get dinner going. And then my maternal grandmother, I'm sorry, paternal grandmother, my, my dad's mother, um, I was close to her and she would come in. I stayed with her after that a lot. And, um, and then my mother, she, she kind of recovered a little bit. She got a hold of her addiction, I think. Um, but during that time, it was really dark. I remember a lot of fighting, a lot of yelling. I'm five, six, seven years old. And now I, I'm awakened in the night a lot with yelling and screaming and fighting. And, um, that's when I really remember the pattern of things. And, um, then we ended up moving back to central California and, um, I was, um, seven and then um, still the same pattern, the alcoholism, the abuse. Um, and then when I was 11, um, my parents decided to, to take a career path change, and they bought a restaurant. Um, being from the South, they always wanted to do barbecue, and we, they bought a steakhouse in the, little in the small town where we lived, where I was born. And um, so... That's where we were all the time. My older brother um, came to help us. He left college to come and work in the restaurant. That's where we were all the time. And um, when I was 16, um, I was at home one night, and I heard my mother screaming. And I went to the bedroom, and the door was locked. And I, she was screaming, and I couldn't get in. And so she yelled to, for me to break in the door. So I broke in the door, and that was really the first time that my dad and I really, really physically, um, I wasn't going to put up with that anymore. So after that incident, we left. My mother filed for divorce, and he moved out, and there was a separation for a year. During that time, my parents had a second restaurant at this time. So my dad went to that restaurant and my mom and I stayed at the, the other one. So I was working one afternoon 
And um, I didn't see my dad. I didn't see he was there. And he jumped in my car in the parking lot of the restaurant as I was leaving. And I said, I'm not talking to you. I hadn't spoken to him in that year. He jumped in the car and he said, I said, I'm not going to talk to you. He said, well, you're, you're going to listen. You don't have to talk, but you're going to listen. And he locked the door. And he said, you know, I haven't, I know I haven't been very nice to you in your life. Um, when you were born, I didn't think that you were my child. And then you grew up and you look exactly like my mother. Everybody thought I looked like my dad's mother. Mm -hmm. And um, so in my 16-year-old mind, I thought, this is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. And I was really ticked off because I thought, here you're you're blaming my mother for your terrible behavior all these years. And throwing her under the bus, I mean, if the, I didn't, was he trying to apologize by, you know, telling me my something about my mother? It just was awful. I was really upset about it. And, and then that was that. And I don't think I talked to him for a while. Well, my mother ended up going back to him. Mm-hmm. And he just, would, he was relentless. He really was relentless. And she went back. By then I had, you know, moved out of the house. I was not quite 18. And I moved out of the house, never, never to move back in. And, um, things went along like that for a while. Um, I got married and had my own family. And although my parents were not good parents, um, uh, they were good grandparents. They really, really were good grandparents. They were very close to my kids. And, um, then in 2004, um, my dad passed away. He had Alzheimer's, and I had done all of his caretaking for him. You know, everybody has their place in their family, and, and I was the family fixer. So if anything ever happened, they called me, no matter what it was. And the way I was raised, I mean, if if my dad told me to climb up that building and jump to the next roof, I would have done it. I just never said no. That wasn't part of our dynamic. Nobody ever said no to my dad. He was a bully. He was harsh. And so if he told you to do it, you did it. So I just, I ended, I was the fixer. I took care of them both. She ended up with macular degeneration and Meniere's disease. She was going deaf and blind. And so I did all their caretaking, all their business and she passed in 2006. In 2016, I took a DNA test because we were Irish. My mother was Irish. Um, and I got the results back. And I really didn't think anything about it. There was a long list of names that I didn't recognize. But it never really dawned on me um, at all. Um, my grandfather was one of 11. There, I have lots of second cousins. A lot of them are still in Texas that I wasn't raised with. So that never raised a flag to me at all. Um, I, do, I did have one cousin that was um, his dad. My dad were brothers. And he was kind of our, my dad's side of the family. He was the, the family um, researcher and knew all about the family history. And I noticed one day, um, probably, I don't know, maybe the next year, I don't know, that he was not a match on my list. And I looked again and again, and he was not on that 
list. So I immediately called my brother and I said, Danny, our cousin Danny is not on our um, my list. Mind you, my brother w- did not take the DNA test. He, he hasn't still yet. And he said, well, you know, uh, that shouldn't surprise you. You know, um, Danny's parents were married before and my poor uncle, we blamed everything on him. He was, you know, all over the place and married a few different times and separated. And my brother said that, that should not surprise you. Okay. So that didn't really surprise me. And then, um, then I got an email from a second cousin that was also a match and might've been the same year. And she was actually a genealogist and she was really interested in how we were related. So, um, she called, she called me on the phone. We chatted. Um, she looked at my family tree. Everything was, was, um, public on ancestry of mine and I looked at her tree and nothing rang a bell to me at all. Nothing on her side, my side matched. And she actually had me upload my raw um, DNA data to another site and still nothing. So I just kind of put it out of my mind. Um, again, second cousins, lots of second cousins, but this woman, um, she sent pictures of herself. She was blonde, blue-eyed with fair skin, which was, my mother was very, very fair. And my dad had jet black hair with um, dark eyes and olive skin. And I thought, well, it has to be on my mother's side. And I just dismissed it. Um, nothing, still, absolutely um, no idea that anything was off. And um, in 2018, I got a message, an email from Ancestry, you have a match. And I didn't even think, I saw the email, I didn't even open it. I sat down later that day and started going through my emails and clicked on this um, email and I saw a woman's name and didn't really recognize her name. Um, And then I clicked on her family tree and I recognized her dad's name. And I realized that my mother worked with him at the Teamsters office in 1963. He was the president and she was his secretary. Mm. And I remember like the blood draining from my head thinking, okay, um, this, this is getting really weird. And then I just thought, okay, get a hold of yourself because there has to be another explanation. I really, really thought maybe my grandmother got with her grandfather. I still could not, my mind would not go there. And so I started to read through Ancestry like we all do to see what centimorgans mean and what this home means. And um, then... I remembered Linda, the cousin, Linda, that called me the genealogist. And I thought, well, surely Linda will be able to make sense of this. Um, I had only spoken to her a couple of times. um, And I called her and asked her if she was busy. No. I said, well, do you have a minute to go over something with me on Ancestry that came in um, an email? And she said, sure. So... God bless Linda, because on the the phone that day with her, 
it became very apparent to me that this was a half sister. Um, you know, I, Linda stayed very calm and I just remember asking her from a, a purely genealogical standpoint, is there any other explanation that how this woman is related to me other than she is a half sibling? And she said there, no, the number of centimorgans indicates a half sibling. And uh, I was dumbfounded. I was just in shock. Um, I couldn't believe what I was seeing and what she was telling me. And then she said the conversation, I said, well, do you know this woman? And she said, yes, I know this woman. She is also my second cousin and she is a lovely person and I know her. And I said, so then, um, then your first cousin is my biological father. And she said, yes. And his name was Buddy and um, I had met him. So, so the story goes on and um, my grandmother, the grandmother, the only grandmother that I knew, my dad's mother had a best friend and her name was Florence. And with Florence and my mother quite a lot, or I'm sorry, um, Florence and my grandmother a lot. Um, they would take me to church and I would go to Florence's house. And Florence had um, two sons. One was Buddy and one was Leon. And I knew both of them. Uh, Leon would come into our restaurant all the time. And um, I knew him well. Um, her son, Buddy, though, I didn't know so well. He didn't come around. He did not come into our restaurant. The brother always came in. So um, after, I, after I sat down that day and realized the connection and realized that, you know, my, my whole life, everything comes together, like all of us, all the little weird things that happened suddenly made sense to me. And I thought, okay, I, but I will tell you that first, that first month I was putting my keys in the fridge. I was bumping into the walls. I mm -hmm. couldn't even see my reflection in the mirror because like we all say, you know, you, you are different. You are forever different. Mm -hmm. And I, I called my brother. Well, first I told my husband and then I called my brother and I said, I, I told him this story. I said, did you know this? do you promise that you didn't know this? And he said, I, I promise you, um, I did not know this. He was as shocked as I was, but he knew this family too. He, he knew my grandmother's friend, Florence. He knew Buddy. He knew my half-sister. We all lived on the same block. And they were actually, um, the brother Leon lived down the street and my biological dad lived on the other side of the block. I rode my bike past I was at my uncle's house um didn't know he was my uncle and I would ride past my biological dad's house going to school um so my mother's sister um is also living and I called her um to ask her and she said she did not know absolutely she was as shocked well my my parents best friends are still living they're 87 and they're still sharp and I I waited a while, and then I slowly 
stopped by their house to talk to them. You know, I didn't want to shock them. I didn't want to put them on the spot. I didn't want to make them feel uncomfortable, but I was finally able to have a conversation with them. And my dad's best friend told me, um, he, he was, he just couldn't believe it. He said, I don't believe it. They knew my, my biological dad, buddy also. And he said to me, he said, well, you know, your dad that raised you did not know this. There's no way he knew this because I guarantee you, had he known this, he probably, somebody would have gotten really hurt in this situation. Hmm. So I guarantee you, he did not know. And I don't think he knew either. He might've suspected, and I think there might've been an incident, but I don't think he ever knew. So, um, so I, after I try to put the pieces together, um, of this and try to remember, you know, that, that's what this does. It, it hijacks your mind. It, it really hijacks every, my, my thoughts during the day. You know, you, you don't, you wake up at night, you think about this. You wake up in the morning, you think about this. You, you go to conversations that you had and you revisit every conversation you ever had with your mother. That's what I did. I went back into my memory bank and remembered every single thing that ever happened with, um, with Florence, the things that were, that were said, um, you know, I would sit in church between Florence and my grandmother and they did not know I was the other one's granddaughter. So I thought, well, I'm just going to keep this to myself. My, my mother died with the secret. I will die with the secret. I will only tell my husband. And I told my best friend. And about, it took my friend about a week to convince me to contact my half-sister. She said, you have to, you have to make a contact with her. So I said, okay. I sent her a message on Ancestry that said, I see that we are um, related through DNA. If you would like to have a conversation, here is my number. She called me that night. And um, I said to her, well, I, I see that we are related. I said, all, all that I know is that my mother worked um, with Buddy in 1963, and I knew his brother, Leon, and I knew his mother, Florence. They were family friends. And so, and she said, okay, well, let me tell you, I have been waiting for four years for you to contact me. I have known for four years, and this is the story. She went to, she just moved back to the area and she went to lunch with an aunt, a cousin, and the, a, another family friend. So there were six people that knew the secret all those years. And my real uncle knew the secret. That's why he was coming into our restaurant. He was reporting back to my biological dad. That's how they were keeping track. And um, my Florence did not know. My grandmothers did not know. Um, but my mother, my, of course, my mother knew. Um, and my real uncle is kind of a, a big piece to this because I, I just really, really liked him. He was a really nice person. And when he would come into the restaurant, he would always, you know, hug me a little too long and look at me and stare at me a little bit too long. But not in a creepy way, but in an uncle way. He knew I was his real niece. And I um, went to visit him. He passed away. So everybody in the in this my situation has passed. So I was trying. I had to try to figure out: was this uh, a me too thing? Was this an assault? Was this what was this? But it was not. My mother went to work every day with 
buddy during her pregnancy. She went back to work a week after I was born, back into that office with him and worked with him for another year. So um, she didn't do anything she didn't want to do. She would have never gone back had it been any other situation. Um, And my half-sister found pictures of my mother in Buddy's things when he passed away. He passed in 1988 from a car accident. Um, But I went to go see my uncle Leon in the hospital. He had cancer and he was on a, a trach. And when I walked in that room, he almost came off the bed. I I thought, oh, he's on a lot of medication. Is he in pain? Well, now I know. I think he was absolutely shocked that I had come to see him. And I found out later my half-sister had just left that hospital room. So um, I have no doubt that my uncle Leon probably would have loved to have had a conversation with me before he passed. I think he only lived a couple more days. And um, so... So now I have, so my, so my, back to my half sister, um, she told me the story and she is a lovely woman. She just really wanted a sister. She grew up an only child. My biological dad was a womanizer. He was a cheater. He cheated on her mother, their whole marriage. Um, he was not a bright shining star. He was mafioso. He was president of the Teamsters and 63. He knew Jimmy Hoffa. And so I don't, I mean, my mother was vulnerable and, um, he took advantage of that. He was, um, tall, dark, and handsome. And, you know, the other part of this, I think for us MPEs who have children, my children look like other people. My daughter, if you morphed her into a 72 year old woman she looks like my half sister and my oldest son if you put his picture next to my biological father they're very they look like the same person um my mother was five two my dad that raised me was five eight um i have a daughter that's almost six feet tall my biological dad was six four i have a son that's six two so those things, all, they all made sense to me. But, you know, there's so many parts to this that I don't think people really understand that haven't lived through this. When your kids look like other people, um, it takes a while to really adjust to all of the new things. And then I had, then I had to tell my kids because um, I got a phone call from my hairdresser in town and she said, I just had the craziest conversation. Somebody came in today and they said they overheard a conversation at a restaurant and they mentioned your name and that you have a half sister that you don't know about. And now I realize my hairdresser knows. And I had to tell my kids it was really hard. They don't, my sons do not ask questions. My daughter's a little bit but um, I'm two years into this. I do have a relationship with my half-sister. She's lovely. And um, I've gotten to know her daughters. But it has taken a while. It has taken me a while. I, You know, this is a lot about forgiveness, too. Um, I had a family picture up in my living room, and I had to take it down. Um, because every day I would walk by that picture, and I would just be like, Really, you guys? You guys had left me with this box to unravel and to carry around this junk. I mean, I was really upset about it. Time does make everything better because in the beginning, 
I did feel like a dirty little secret. Um, I don't feel like that anymore. I feel like I, I am supposed to be here against all odds. And so I, I try to have a good relationship with my sister and, um, and involve her in my, my life as much as I can. But it's been an adjustment. I only tell people now on a need to know basis. I don't share this with everybody. I, um, it's still somewhat private to me, but, um, so that that's where I'm at in my in my journey. And thank you for sharing all of this because it is private. This is private. And thank you for sharing this with us. I mean, like you said, the finding out your hairdresser overheard part of this story, I mean, that's that's that had to have felt crazy. I mean, then you felt mm-hmm. like I have to tell my my own kids then. Yes. Yes. I, I, you, I lost control of my narrative after that. You know, I didn't get to control, um, how I was going to do this and when I was going to do this. Well, congratulations to you and your new sister for, um, you know, sounds like she knew about you for many years. In fact, there is one more sister and, um, she is in between the two of us. Um, she also, also has a different mother. This was also from a separation that her parents had. Um, and she, I have met her. We have talked to her. She's very nice, but she doesn't have any need to have a relationship really. I mean, it's kind of like uh, Merry Christmas and happy birthday. She lives in a different state and she's just fine with that. She doesn't mm-hmm. want to be, cl- she doesn't want to be close and, and that's okay. That's yeah. okay too. Sure. Um, so that we've we've heard a rumor that there is another a son out there, but I don't know if that's confirmed, and I haven't um, I don't have real evidence that that is the case. But um, there are a couple of cousins that have said there is a that we have a brother. So I don't know. We haven't found him yet. Thank you so much for sharing all of this today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Lily. Thanks again to Marion for sharing today. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE that would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more.